There is some theme with the music today. I can't get it. On Amber and Ian. This is Dolly Parton working nine to five. Is that who sings this song? So the songs yes. that I have written down so far is as. All right, let me hear Rachel them again. has provided us. All Stars, Born to be Wild, Don't You Forget Me, Working 9 to 5. You forgot Lady Marmalade oh, and Hooked on right. a Feeling. <sighs> I like, so there's I, some theme. This theme is so important that Rachel forgot to play the top hour instead of one of the songs. Instead of the music yeah, so coming she in. to play our produced top of hour that she worked hard I on. I know, I worked really hard on that too. So this is the show within the show yeah. that Rachel Robinson's doing, and I have not figured out what the show is within the show yet. So if you know, Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian tonight on Amber and Ian, you can tweet to us, X to us, whatever it's called, at Zaslow Show, at Amber W Sports. It's how you find us on social. Amber and Ian is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We will continue to consider the music on the show, but let's move on to the New England Patriots because there is a lot to unpack with New England right now. Mike Reese, ESPN Patriots reporter, kind enough to join us here on Amber and Ian. I mean, Mike, you heard me list the songs, right? Do you have any idea what the theme is? Crack the code, Mike. First, before we get into the Pats. Amber, Jonathan, I tell you, the music was keeping me going. I'm on fumes right now, coming back from Frankfurt, Germany, uh, trying to get myself back on East Coast time. I have no idea what you're even talking about, to be honest with you, but I like the music. Uh, It's completely understandable. Uh, You flew all the way to Frankfurt to watch the Patriots score six points, so I can understand why you'd be running (laughs) on fumes right now. It has been an ugly season for New England. That was an ugly game. Mac Jones clearly gets benched a couple minutes left for Bailey Zappi. Didn't go any better, frankly, with Bailey Zappi. But what is wrong right now with Mac Jones? We had on Coach Herm Edwards earlier in the show. If you miss anything here, you can check out the podcast on the ESPN app. And Mike, he said that Mac Jones is broken. Oh, Amber. So, you know, there's, I don't even know where to start. You know, I think i go back to the promise that he showed in, in his rookie year, um, 2021, and just look at everything that's happened around him. You know, I, I guess I sum it up this way, you know, every organization, you know, has, sort of I call it like a a playbook as to how to bring along a young quarterback and there's the do's and the don'ts and man the Patriots have done a lot of the don'ts you know it's shaky offensive line play in front of them limited weapons to throw to three different play callers in three years really three different offensive systems in three years Um, add that up and it's just it's made it challenging for Mac. And then at the same time, like that's not to spare Mac from the accountability because all those things I just said are true. But then look at the interception that he threw, um, you know, late in that game that ultimately got him benched. And that's really just about execution and fundamentals. I mean, the Mike Gusecki was open, Mac knew it, and he called it a terrible throw himself. So mix it all together, Amber. And that maybe gives you a little bit of a picture of what's happened there. Now, Mike, the Patriots are going into the bye. They have the Giants, who look absolutely hopeless the week after. Is Mac Jones the starting quarterback, or is there no turning back now the way that yesterday ended? Jonathan, they're, they're talking about it in the, in the team offices today. Um, 
and they're trying to figure out which direction they're going to go. I, I don't know if they've made a decision at this point. Uh, we'll talk to Bill Belichick Tuesday morning at 8 and um, Eastern time, and that'll be the first question, Jonathan, that we ask him. You know, where do things stand at quarterback? And and I have to tell you, as a just a reporter covering the team and, and re-watching the game, like I could make a strong case, Jonathan, for like either of them. Like to, the case to stick with Mac is like, look, he was sacked five times in the first half. You know, three or four of those were on the offensive line. He didn't have a chance. Um, you know, based on the way it was blocked up. And, you know, to, to pull him, it would almost be like scapegoating him because he's far from the only problem. But on the other side, I can make a case and say, you know, I'm not in there. Um, has he lost the team? Has he lost the locker room? You know, do they need to try something different for, you know, a shot of life? Um, and if that's ult- ultimately that's something only Bill Belichick and the coaching staff can determine because they're in there, you know, every day, every minute to see how the players respond. And so I'm anxious to see how it unfolds myself. I'm sure Bill will be incredibly transparent with you guys on Tuesday and, and, tell, pleasant. You his, and, and pleasant. pleasant and tell you all of the future plans at the quarterback position. Mike Reese, ESPN Patriots reporter joining us here on Amber and Ian. I know that that's not Bill's style, so I'm sure he's not answering this question, but do you get the sense that if they do have a top five pick, which right now they are in a position to, that they would look to take a quarterback moving forward in the next draft? Amber, so they'd be the third pick right now. And, you know, Jonathan mentioned the game coming out of the bye against the Giants. They they currently have the second pick. So, like, isn't it amazing to think about it? I mean, all these years the Patriots have had success and here we are in November talking about draft position in a game you know like that which is just it's still hard for me to get my um my arms my hands around it if you will um on the quarterback thing ever like they need so much you know you could tell me offensive tackle like a stud offensive tackle and like I couldn't argue with you like the offensive line talked about Mac you know Herm saying Mac was broken the offensive line has been broken. They've had seven different configurations in 10 games. You know, you, if you can get a top guy um, with a top pick that can help solidify that, wouldn't argue with that. How about a receiver? Like, I mean, I, I don't watch the college as much as I, you know, as in, during the NFL season, but like that Marvin Harrison, like a guy like that, like just a difference maker. Like I wouldn't argue with something like that. And I think the experience with Mac you know, shows you and, and even that year, that, that year's draft class with Zach Wilson, number two, Trey Lance, number three, Justin Fields, number 11, Trevor Lawrence, of course, is number one, Mac, number 15. Because it shows you that the quarterbacks, even if when you take them high, there's no guarantee. So I think it's tough to say right now. Mike, if we gave Bill Belichick a healthy dose of truth serum and we asked him, if he actually believed going into this season that this was a playoff roster, what would he say? I think he would tell you he truly believed it. Um, and, you know, I think, I think that a big part of this was, you know, bringing back Bill O'Brien and trying to get back to playing offensive football the way they did when Josh McDaniels was here. And remember, Bill O'Brien learned under Josh McDaniels. And I think – you know, putting that piece in place 
and then with a defense that sort of kept them in a lot of these games. Like, Jonathan, they're 2-8, and eight, and I would say other than two games, the blowout at Dallas in Week 4 and the blowout at home against the Saints in Week 5, it's actually been in every game. You know, it's almost like one possession and make a play, you know, toward the end of the game. So it's not like it looks terrible on the surface. And by my God, you watch that game. The, the product wasn't great, right? But, I mean, they're still in these games. And so I think he would tell you, like, he, he really thought that. And, and he said it the other day, like, he's disappointed in the way the season has turned out. And the owner, Robert Kraft, said it in his NFL Network interview. And he said, we, we didn't see this coming. This is not what we expected at all. Bill Belichick is not one uh, to show you his emotion uh, with uh, with your interactions with him, I know. But do you feel like Belichick is enjoying this season? Like, is he still enjoying his position and the control in terms of the personnel and in terms of the coaching as much as he previously did? So, so yes and no, Amber. You know, I'd say no because, you know, it's about winning and, and he's uh, – you know, it works, it's consistency, and ultimately when you grind it out like he does and he asks his, his staff and his players, to, Amber, he's going to have the players in tomorrow, you know, and their bye week. They just got back from Germany at 11 o'clock at night on Sunday, and, and he's bringing the players in tomorrow. So it just gives you a feel for, like, the grind and the work ethic, um, you know, that they have up here in New England when you don't have the results. I think it's hard to enjoy it. At the same time, I would tell you, we were out in Frankfurt and one of the international reporters asked him, you know, about, about the, this exact question. And he said, it beats working, you know, that he still enjoys everything about it. The competitiveness, you know, the teamwork, working together with the players. He mentioned even the ownership. So, you know, in, in that sense, I think this is what he does. This is, this is his life. And, and so I think he enjoys that, but he just hasn't enjoyed the results that this season has brought him, obviously. I got one more for you here, Mike. Does h- how important is the all-time record? Is Shula's record to Belichick? He has not. He has not said how important it is to him. So I'll tell you how important I think it is to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think it means a lot. You know, and he's he's at three thirty-one, um, and Shula's three forty-seven. Uh, and, and I think he wants it. I think he wants it bad. And, you know, people would often ask me, how, how long do you think Belichick will coach? And, and I used to say, you know, well, tell me how, let's compute it out. How long do you think it would take him to get the record, you know, to pass Shula? I think the game means so much to him, the history of the game, and to be this close, um, it's hard for me to imagine him stopping on his own choice um, before he passes Don Shula. At this rate, just eight more years. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then maybe he'll pass Don Shula. Goodness, Mike Reese, ESPN Patriots reporter. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Amber. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Mike. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian tonight. Has NBA commentary gotten stale? We will transition to the round ball, Jonathan Zaslow, yes. as they call it. ESPN Radio's on the app. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. 
That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Dance, dance, dance. I mean, I know all these songs that Rachel's playing. I think I know the theme. Don't get it. Please. I think I know the theme. So you want to reset real quick, Amber, what we're doing here? Sure. So our AP, Rachel, she does a show within a show. And the show within the show means the music as we come into every segment. It has a theme each and every night, and we have to try to figure out what the theme is. So tonight, she has played All Stars, Born to be Wild, Don't You Forget Me, Lainey Marmalade, uh, Working 9 to 5, Hooked on a Feeling, this song, Dance, 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 or whatever it's called. I'm not seeing it. I'm going to give it a guess. I mean, there are right. different eras all over the place. The movies that some of these songs are from, I'm not seeing what the movies have in common. Okay, well, well, that, see, that right there is my guess. I think they're songs from movie soundtracks. That's it? They're ding, just, ding, ding. They're just really oh, songs from movies? Oh, okay. They're just songs from movies? Yeah, you basically said it. Like I did say it. By the way, like two songs first, in. Your first guess, yeah. Thank you. No, 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 no. You said like to thank 80s movies. Rachel. And yeah, I like said to thank 80s James. movies. I said not Amber. I don't want to thank you. Around it. That's I why was we were to, laughing. I was you, trying to get to. Fan. I thank said you. several different types of movies. I was trying to get to. I think I said like 80s chick flicks. I said 80s movies. I was trying to get but to. But not it. just movies. Not just movies. What was the last movie that that song was from? The dance. Trolls. Dance, dance. Oh, Trolls. Oh, right. Naturally. New Trolls movie you? coming out this week, I think, too. I think I have to go see it. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate all the support, always. I mean, again, I basically Can't said it, it you. three hours ago, but... Right, basically, it's we'll not it. the same as saying it, so... Thank you, everyone. You're welcome. Songs from movies. So that is the show within the show this evening on Amber and Ian. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian tonight. Let's talk about the NBA Zaz because Adam Silver he was on the old man and the three podcast the NBA commissioner said some interesting things including the state of the commentary surrounding the NBA take a listen we can all do a better job. And again, I'm not just pointing to the media here, is talking more about the game. And I also, my frustration a bit, I think sometimes that the color commentary in our games gets reduced to 
this team wanted it more or, you know, this team tried harder as opposed to like, there's really complex defenses. Like what's the offense? Like, why is this team losing the way they are? Like, why is this team successful? Explain what the pick and roll is. Explain, you you know, it's, it's funny as our friend, Chris Paul is always saying, you know, what does ice mean? What does blue mean? Like explain what's happening on the court, because I think there is this sense that unlike in football, where the coaches are viewed as these field generals going out there with the complex schemes, then in basketball, there's a sense that it's just about athleticism, you know, or, you know, somehow the coach's job is just to get the guys to play hard, as opposed to these incredibly sophisticated defenses, offenses. I think use another network example. I think Kenny Smith, when he goes to that board, is a great example of helping explain the game visually, graphically to people to understand what's happening on the floor. So I want to get your thoughts on this because I do think it's interesting. I don't think he's entirely wrong. I have my reasons and my theories behind that sort of analysis. But you, Jonathan Zaslow, spent many years, not just on the flagship flagship station for the Miami Heat, but also working for on the broadcast for the Miami Heat. You've yeah. even done play-by-play for Miami Heat games. So what do you make of everything that you just heard Adam Silver say? Well, uh, there are two main things that stand out to me. And well, well, the the overriding point is Adam Silver is very much a player's commissioner. And that entire commentary from Adam Silver is him very much being on the player's side. The players are constantly complaining about the commentary around today's game. And so Adam Silver there is putting himself on the side of the players and the things that they don't like about the way the media covers the game. Adam Silver is once again showing that he is on the player's side, which, by the way, Adam Silver, the commissioner, being on the player's side, I think has played a a, a role in some of the problems that the league is facing these days. Like, for instance, when we're talking about media members, whatever commentary where they're talking about this team played harder, this team played harder. That's a crutch a lot of times that you can go to as team wanted it more. But Amber, in a league where the players don't play, where they rest and they're not giving 100% effort, when we're coming up with rules to get them out on the court to actually play, yeah, you know what? Commentary about this team played harder than the other one, that's kind of a legit thing. So, like, I got no problem with that commentary about players playing harder than other players when we're making up rules to put the players on the floor. The second thing I want to point out, too, Amber, is NBA on TNT, that studio show, everybody knows it's fantastic. And Kenny Smith, he runs up to the board there, you know, and he does his points, and he's really good at it. Amber, when is the last time... You talk to your friends about how amazing Kenny Smith's X's and O's were on that board as compared to Chuck and Shaq and what joke they were making with each other sitting on that desk. Kenny Smith does a really good job pointing out all those X and O's, and the reason that show is so popular is because of all the other stuff. I'm sorry, Amber. You're not sorry. Once again, you're not sorry. The reality is that most people aren't experts on the game because they did not play the game at a professional level. And you hear there Adam Silver, not just placating to the player, but obviously speaking also directly to JJ Redick and Redick is, is 
is excellent on our airwaves breaking down the game. And he absolutely can bring insight that none of the rest of us can bring because we did not play in the NBA ourselves, right? We did not play at major blue blood programs. And so there are certain uh, analysis or certain analysis that those sorts of guys can provide that the layman can't provide fine, but also the person listening to the analysis is the layman. And so what I think ends up happening here is sometimes when you get too bogged down, too X's and O's heavy, right? Too nitty gritty, then you lose the viewer. And the whole point is to engage the viewer from a broadcasting perspective. So you also don't want to bore people with things that they're not going to understand because they themselves are not in the huddle. The commentary that Adam Silver is railing against, that these guys aren't playing hard enough, right? Like, that's the sort of commentary. Yes, it could be considered lazy commentary. It's also the commentary that we all understand and we all can relate to. The masses can relate to it. So are you trying to, from a broadcasting perspective, appeal to the J.J. Reddicks of the world, right? Or are you trying to appeal to kind of like everybody? And the answer to that is obviously you're trying to appeal to everybody because you're trying to get as many eyeballs and as many ears as you can on your programming. Also, I do think, because he, he makes that comparison to football, and you bring up an excellent point. Football doesn't suffer from the same load management issues that the NBA suffers from. The flopping issues aren't quite as prevalent. They're incredibly prevalent in basketball. So sometimes that analysis is actually probably warranted. But then I think as well, it is a very fast moving, difficult game. And I think with football, you can, there's the breaks in between the plays. And so from just a a sort of simplistic elementary understanding of the game, you can sort of see the field better as just a person who doesn't even know, right? Like everything's very complicated in all of these sports, but I think sometimes you can see the setup of the play. You could sort of understand it a bit better in football, how it exists than maybe in basketball, if you haven't really paid close attention to that game. So I think there's several factors of why sometimes you get the kind of quote unquote lazy analysis, but overall you were absolutely right. The commissioner there is appealing to the player and the player wants this heightened degree to try to explain why they didn't make that basket or they didn't connect on that pass. And it's something that most people can't provide. couple minutes left just over a couple minutes left in the first half the Broncos are leading the Bills nine to eight Jonathan Zaslow the high scoring affair we all were hoping for Broncos though are moving the football they're into plus territory under three to play here in the first half so we'll continue to keep you updated here on Amber and Ian Jonathan Zaslow in the saddle for Ian tonight find him at Zaslow show you can find me as well at Amber W Sports. When Zazlo and I hosted a local show in Miami for many, many years, excellent show called Zazlo and That's Amber. We did a segment, a groundbreaking, earth shattering segment that nobody in the history of sports radio had ever thought of. It's called Big Deal, Not a Big Deal. It's making headlines. Extra, extra, read all about it. But is it a big deal or not a big deal with Amber and Ian? And with James Steele, because I then came here to ESPN, and so did Zaslow, and James Steele sold the segment and stole the idea. Not I remember it. I remember me coming up with this all on my own. Sincerest form of flattery. It's all right, James. Let's do big deal, not a big deal. Um, Pretty big weekend for all the Travis, Kelsey, and Taylor Swift fans. We got um, Got got her changing the lyrics to one of her songs. Uh, Got her running uh, off the stage into, into his open arms uh, after the show 
Amber, big deal, not a big deal. Uh, the, 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 all the updates we got on uh, Travis and Taylor this weekend. Uh, this is a big deal. This is a huge deal, Zaslow. They're clearly in love. I mean, they might get married. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's a big deal because we all have some odd obsession with this romance. And this is the first time that I think nobody can doubt the the realness of it at this point, right? Like we're past that. We're past all the conspiracy theorists and she's changing the lyrics. He's his reaction when the cameras are on him at the concert. It, it seems very natural. He seems very surprised, of course, that she changed the lyrics, but it's the running video the where she's gets off the stage and she's so excited to run into the arms of her boyfriend who is on his bye week and has flown all the way to Argentina to see her era's show and the makeout. And the chemistry is there. Rachel, why are you doubting this? You're holding up your finger into the Zoom right now. You know, my thing is, if you watch it, like the long version, she says something in his ear. and Like, I love you? I don't know. It's too long for I I love love you. you. I love you forever. You're the love of my life. And he didn't really react to it. He didn't really have a smile. So I'm like, I think that might have been a good job for the cameras. (laughs) Like, I, I, I'm still not 100% sold. I'm like 98% sold. No way. But the that the moment footage is me. like Sapruder film. It's like grainy. But they she, didn't she, know. She's an actress. Like, she could do it. She could run off and look happy, change a lyric here or there. She knows what she's doing. She knows. I think this is a big deal. And for me, like, like the first thing that ran through my mind, because it's like, okay, they're definitely a couple, all right? And, and the thing that ran through my mind was... And Travis Kelsey, yes, he's a big deal in sports terms. But in, you know, the big picture, very, very small level of fame compared to Taylor Swift. And so what I was thinking was, what was that moment like when Travis Kelsey said to himself, Taylor Swift's my girlfriend? (laughs) Like, there was a moment at some point where he just sat there and was like, yeah, I did it. Taylor Swift's my girlfriend. And that part to me is wild. <laughs> I, I would have never thought that I'd be this invested in a celebrity relationship. They're getting married, though. A million percent. They're I mean, married. they're totally in love. The thing is with Travis Kelsey, he is, I mean, he at least is an incredibly famous athlete, right? I mean, it's kind of like when Chris. I when don't know. Chris, I, I wouldn't put incredibly in front of it. Well, when Kim Kardashian married Chris Humphreys, yeah, right. <laughs> Chris Humphreys was no Travis Kelsey, right? In the world, in terms of NBA individual, fans didn't know fame. who he was, right? Exactly. That one was incredibly shocking. Here, I've never understood why people like Rachel doubt it because it doesn't seem so outlandish to me. I mean, he's incredibly famous in his it's yes, just in his perfect. own little realm. He's also incredibly attractive, and so is she. And they're both incredibly successful, and they are the exact same age. Perfect. And the chemistry is undeniable. James, they're going to have babies. Absolutely, they are. And it's it's We're just gonna have little famous babies. Yeah, well, one's one will be a tight end, the other will be a pop star. They're gonna have star. excellent podcasts. These babies. Crazy. All right, uh, let's move on. The New York Jets have gone eleven straight quarters without a touchdown, but they're not blaming the quarterback. In his latest defense of Zach Wilson, Coach Robert Sala said Wilson, quote, is actually playing pretty good. And that it would be unfair to blame the team's profound struggles on one player or coach. Quote, it's hard to make changes just to make changes, just to pacify something, especially when someone is not deserving of that, Sala said Monday. Uh, Zaz? 
They know not a big deal that the Jets are sticking with Zach Wilson. Yeah, it's a big deal, and I, I, I feel like I feel like Sala doesn't really know what he's doing here because, like I said a few weeks ago, he has the utmost confidence in his offense, and then the next week, he 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 pled the fifth if Zach Wilson is still going to be his quarterback, and now this week, it's not on Zach Wilson. He's the starting quarterback. He's getting better. It's like. We can't possibly be getting better and better each week if the previous week you pled the fifth. Even though we weren't in a court of law, we were just in a media press room. <laughs> you, you pled the fifth. Uh, you didn't want to incriminate yourself as far as who the quarterback of your team was going to be. And I'm sorry. If your quarterback has not led a touchdown drive in 11 quarters, it does not take a rocket scientist to tell you, you're not playing well. Not playing well. We know that I defend... My nephew, Zach Wilson. I stick right. by all Wilsons. Right. It's not going so well for me at the moment. There's been many a times during Zach Wilson's career that it hasn't gone so well for me. And this is one of those moments. Zazzle, I had like a couple games there where it started going well for me again. Yeah. And then it kind of went off the rails. It's not going well for me again, frankly. Zach Wilson was not good against the Raiders. He hasn't been good lately. He's not the only problem, though. For the Jets. And I guess if I was going to try to defend this situation, I would still be defending this situation from the general manager or ownership perspective, not necessarily Robert Sala's perspective, where if I am the ownership there, I do want to get every ounce I can out of my first rounder and then move on after this season. If we do, in fact, realize Zach Wilson ain't it and he's not going to be able to take over the reins for Aaron Rodgers in the future. Why not figure that out now and give it the full opportunity? Now, I guess the caveat there is if Aaron Rodgers is actually coming back in mid-December, which he told Melissa Stark that he's coming back in mid-December. He's actually said that now. So if that was true, which would be remarkable and something that we've never seen before. If that was true, then if you're Robert Sala, should you be going to, who's the backup, Trevor Simeon, to try to win games, to keep it afloat for Aaron Rodgers? Because short of Aaron Rodgers coming back, Zaslow, what the hell is the point of that? And I guess their commitment to Zach Wilson makes me feel like they also recognize that it's unlikely that Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Because That's, otherwise, what's the point? Why toggle back and forth with Zach Wilson? You did it that, last year. It got you nowhere. Figure out what you have in Zach Wilson. Just ride it out with him. What's the point? You're not going to be making fine. a Super Bowl with Trevor Simeon either. That's fine. But don't tell me last week you don't know who your starting quarterback's going to be. And now this week you're telling me Zach Wilson's getting better every week. Come on. I'm not going to come on. Okay. <laughs> I I, I didn't think he I didn't think he looked bad last night. Like, you saw... You saw the things that people fell in love with, him moving out of the pocket, goals. his arm strength. He did throw in the interception late. It was also yes, a pretty yeah. good play. But yeah, like score a touchdown. Ah, touchdown. I mean, that's not all on him people, either, though. That's the thing. is People can just continuously just point the finger at him, which is why I've always been defensive of him. Tommy DeVito had two touchdowns yesterday. You want to bring in another quarterback and put him behind that O-line? Let's talk about that O-line. By the way, Aaron's not going to look so good behind that O-line either. No. Life's going to come, come back, at you fast. Come back in three months from tearing your Achilles behind that O-line. Behind I dare that you. O-line. I double dare you. It doesn't, doesn't sound like a good <laughs> idea. All right. Uh, Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> not the double dare. Tyrese Maxey scored a career-high 50 points in the 76ers. 137-126 win over the Pacers on Sunday. Sixers are 8-1. and Maxey was 20-32 for 32 from the field. Had seven rebounds, five assists, and three blocks. 
uh, in the first two straight games in Philadelphia between the teams. Uh, Amber, big deal, not a big deal. Tyrese Maxey. It's not a big deal. Everyone wants to make this a huge deal. I'm not going to say it's a big deal. Tyrese Maxey is a very good player. I have always been high on Tyrese Maxey. James, you can pull the tape. There's a whole lot of it, okay? So I'm not a Maxi hater, even if I was getting tired of the Tyler Hero, Tyrese Maxi debate. Tyrese Maxi is a very good player, fine. So this isn't a huge deal to me, because yeah, like he can have some crazy good nights every now and then, Zaslo. Do I still think him and Joel Embiid win an NBA title? No, I don't. I don't think the 76ers have enough, even if they look good right now. I'm going big deal, uh, 50 burger. That, that's that's a big deal, all right. And on top of it, not only has Tyrese Maxey been fantastic, but James Harden is 0-4 in the four games that he's played with the Clippers so far. Like James Harden, fun. it's not just about the Clippers being 0-4 with Harden. It's about what Tyrese Maxey is doing now since the ball was in his hands instead of Harden with Philadelphia. Harden looks like such a buster throughout this whole scenario now i think it's a big deal he's the process though no he's the system oh i'm the system sorry he's the, he's system. the system yeah he ain't the process he's the system though but it's a lousy system <laughs> if i would have said all those all those things the stats the 50 points and then said i don't know tyler hero would that have been a big deal oh Very. of course obviously not. Very, huge yeah. deal did you see what duncan robinson did all right, oh, yeah, yeah, so there you Against go. Just talk about, hold on, talk about oh, the yeah. Heat for a minute. Owned they beat the, <laughs> the Spurs. Oh, yeah. I guess Bam Adebayo was good against Wemby. So I gave, saw Duncan gave Wemby that, that go Hezzy. Ahead, go ahead. Give him that Hezzy. Bam's Wemby's daddy, Zaslo. Duncan, Duncan Robinson, Robinson. gave Wembanyama. He hit him with that Steve Smith Hezzy. You know hey, what I'm talking about. Wemby can't handle. Duncan Robinson handles. Can I, can, I give you, can I give you a really quick hot take on Victor Wembanyama? Please. I'm watching the game last night. The Heat beat the Spurs. And Wembenyama, like, it's so easy for him to dunk. He dun- like, It's so easy because he's really tall, you know? And here's my hot take. He's a lot closer to the basket than everybody else. Here's Hopefully. my hot take. I, I don't think it's fun for him to dunk because usually dunking is something that's so cool. You, you jump really high and then you throw it down. For him, it's a, it's a nothing. I don't think dunking is fun for him. I think it takes away the fun of dunking because he's so tall. Is this like the this is like the Miami thing? It's too easy for him. Uh, one thing, real quick, big deal, mm. not a big deal. That uh, Josh Allen just threw another interception. Not a big deal, James. We've already covered this. That's true. Part of the Josh Everything's Allen fine. Experience. Everything's fine. Josh Allen can throw all the interceptions he wants. I get it. No, it's a big deal that the Bills are losing to the Broncos right now. It's a big deal how bad. The Bills, or yeah, how so inconsistent, I should it's say. It's 12-8, and now the Broncos, with 37 seconds left, are in field goal range again. Yeah. And they get uh, the third quarter kickoff. It's a problem for the Bills this season. Also a problem for me, because I picked the Bills in this game. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, is C.J. Stroud the MVP frontrunner? Not Rookie of the Year frontrunner, MVP frontrunner. We'll get into that. Good news is that my radio equipment has been holding up tonight, Jonathan Zaslow. No technical issues there. The bad news is my television keeps going out on me. That's in my office. I don't know why. Uh, all right, like so you want me to give it to you here? The game just went to halftime. So, yes, you give us an update. 
on Broncos Bills Monday Night Football yeah. at the half. Yeah, so Broncos got a field goal to make it 12-8. Then Josh Allen threw an interception, and the Broncos kicked another field goal with no time left. So it's 15-8 Denver at halftime, and they get the third quarter kickoff. Josh Allen has two interceptions. The Bills have three turnovers, and the Bills are lucky they're only down by seven. They are lucky. They are lucky they're only down by seven. They are lucky they're in a division with the Jets and the Patriots right now. All right, but we got a game the second half here. We got we, like I, I think a lot of us thought maybe this would not be a game. It's 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 not a good game, but right. we got a game. Well, we if you're a, a Bills fan, I don't think you wanted a game. Uh, I think you wanted them to be able to handle the Broncos handedly. That is absolutely not what is happening here. The Broncos, on the other hand, couple wins headed into their bye. They're coming off the bye. Maybe things are co- maybe Russ well, maybe Russ is actually cooking. Maybe there's what something happens. cooking. Zazzle, maybe they're in the kitchen. Remember what happens though. If Denver wins this game, what yeah. happens, Amber? We spoke about it earlier. They are in the hunt. In the hunt. In the, in the hunt. hunt. If the season ended today, well, no, we gotta wait. For, we gotta wait for this game to end, though. Oh, oh, right, right. Okay, all right. We'll do that then. We'll we'll throw out all the playoff cliches then. Let's throw out some MVP cliches. Let's talk about the NFL MVP because Dan Orlovsky was on First Take, ESPN's NFL analyst, and he said something very interesting about the NFL MVP race that includes a rookie. Here it is. Both you guys said I was crazy last week and you couldn't put a rookie into that conversation. And then there were other guys and the team record mattered. And I was trying to tell everybody like the number two pick has got a team that was four and four, now five and four. And he goes on the road against Cincinnati and he does to Joe Burrow and the Bengals what Joe Burrow has done to basically everybody in the AFC over the last three years. And if we took away the fact that the team is five and four and in second place in the division, and if we took away the fact that he was a rookie and we we just put the stats and the performance next to a Joe Burrow, a Patrick Mahomes, a Lamar Jackson, a Justin Herbert, a Dak Prescott, a Jalen Hurts. Everyone would say, well, that guy's the leader right now with the MVP. Last week, he was in the race. As of today, C.J. Stroud is the favorite to win the MVP, and you're going to have to go take it from him. You can always join the conversation here on Amber and Ian on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. Amber and Ian's presented by Progressive Insurance. So Dan Orlovsky is arguing that emphatically C.J. Stroud right now is the front runner for NFL MVP. It's amazing yeah. to think yeah. that we could be actually – genuinely having this conversation, and it'd be a fair conversation, Zaslo, in his rookie season. It's not a crazy conversation at all. It's not. Like, you look at what C.J. Stroud is doing right now. As a team, so far above expectation at 5-4, and four, he's on pace right now to throw for about 5,000 yards for the season. Close to 5,000 yards. He has 15 touchdowns and two interceptions right now as a rookie. It's astounding. But he's having a great season especially for a rookie, but we also have to acknowledge part of the reason that he is in the MVP conversation. You look at some of the usual suspects, you look at some of the other top teams, and those guys are having down years. Like Patrick Mahomes is not in the MVP conversation right now. Lamar Jackson is not in the MVP conversation right now. Jalen Hurts is not in the MVP conversation right now because they're having... The seasons they had last year, although Lamar Jackson, you got to go back a couple years, the seasons they're having this year 
are not as good as the seasons they were having last year. So I don't see a scenario where Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, they could win MVP when the season they're having this year is not as good as it was last year. And then you see what C.J. Stroud is doing, and it's like, yeah, he's having a great season. I only have a couple of other guys who I would have in the conversation right now for MVP. I think C.J. Stroud is one of those guys. Also because you have some of the usual suspects who are having, you know, less than big years that they normally have. I think that plays a part. Uh, that I agree with you that that plays a part. James Steele was looking at you like you were an insane man. Holmes isn't having the year he Patrick, had last no, year. And I've, I've been, he is the, he is, he was. He's the front runner. Was the odds odds on, yeah, he was a favorite to win. According to ESPN bet, but he's Correct. the favorite in fairness to what Zaslow was saying. He's the favorite because it's Patrick Mahomes, because it's the history, because it's the overall body of work and we're predicting who's going to win. And so your safe money bet would be, Patrick Mahomes, because that's the dude, and obviously. the best record in the AFC. And then, there's that, and then it's still a very good Chiefs team. But to Zaslow's point, Patrick Mahomes hasn't, certainly hasn't been the best version of Patrick Mahomes, and particularly of late. Now, there's some factors. There's the flu game for Patrick Mahomes. There's against the Dolphins, but that's in Germany, and he wasn't his most elite self. So there's a couple games here where Patrick Mahomes hasn't been the best version of himself. He, he's top five in yards, top five in touchdowns, top five in QBR. Like he's having a very good season, and yeah, no one's saying he's not. No I just, saying ha- he's I just have a hard time MVP. I, yeah, I just have NFL a hard time MVP. giving it to him when he's not when he's not having as good of, of a season as he's previously had. Nobody's having a good season. Like well, so that was Zaslow's whole season. point. Yeah. Zaslow's whole yeah, that's point. What well, CJ Stroud is. I that's mean, that's Zaslow's whole it. point is is because it's a down season at the quarterback position. Here's yeah. the real problem: is that what we're talking about quarterback? Is that we're talking about quarterbacks? Because the real problem is that all of us are admitting quarterback wise, all the usual suspects are having down seasons. And then that's well, full stop because that's where the conversation ends because we expect this thing to go to a quarterback. There are players who are having unbelievable seasons. They're just not at the quarterback position. And this award should be possible for those guys to get that award. But it's, it, it's traditionally like Mahomes, Mahomes right now is on pace for about 700 yards fewer than last year. I, he's still having a, a really good year. But I can't give him the MVP when he's going to throw for maybe 700 yards less than he did last year. And and he's on pace for much fewer touchdowns as well. Mu- like 10 fewer touchdowns. So he's having a great year, but I can't give it to him when it's a down year by his standards. And that's part of why I think C.J. Stroud is a legitimate MVP candidate. It plays a part. I agree with you. Uh, C.J. Stroud's going to be part of the conversation. I mean, God forbid it goes to, you know, Miles Garrett Miles. or somebody who doesn't play quarterback but is absolutely phenomenal. 